Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Long Sport here on New Zealand Sport Radio. Hi, I'm Paul. I'll be your host. And today we get on to our third New Zealand rugby province. Wow, we've already done Northland, we've done Tasman, and now it's the uh, the steamers. It's Bay of Plenty with Mike Rogers. How are you doing, sir? I'm very good, Paul, and, and hopefully the third uh, union is the best union you've left us for that point. Is that right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yes. Getting get, get, getting better and better. Let's see. <laughs> the... Um, so uh, the, the, the question I start everybody off with is, what is what was your how do you get into rugby? What was your first what's your first rugby memory? Oh, my first rugby me- memory is as a little fella uh, down in uh, Danny Burke, just out of Palmerston North. I remember running onto the the cold, frozen grass and bare feet, uh, getting out there trying to tackle in the middle of winter, and uh, so that's certainly something that stuck with me right throughout my life. Uh, you know, as a young fella, but yeah, love love being involved in rugby. You know, right through from you know five six years old all the way through to a little bit older now, and being able to contribute back to the game in a different way. So you're, we're talking. So when you're talking about five and six, running on the pitch barefoot, full contact rugby. Yeah, full contact, and and it was it was full contact. It was full on. Uh, yeah, so it was you know a pretty pretty tough introduction for a for a little fella, but uh, certainly uh, taught you to get, you know, to uh, get stuck in and be tough and, and to deal with all those sort of situations. So I, I certainly back in, you know, looking back, wouldn't have had it any other way. Still have friends, you know, way back from early on in my rugby career that I've stayed connected to. And, and I think that's a big part of sport, isn't it? That, you know, you, you want those relationships and friendships that are enduring and lasting right through uh, your whole life. So I had a chat with uh, Junior Fatu Falofa, who's part of the uh, Pacific Rugby Players Association over, over in the UK, and he was saying yeah, that he ran on the pitch at about the age of four and basically tackled with his head. Now, were you were you that uh, were you that boy, or, 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 or did someone told you put your shoulder in and, and get some proper te- tackle techniques straight away because he had a stiff neck the first day. Yeah, yeah, he, he was probably a much better athlete, a lot stronger than I was, even as a four or five year old. So I had to be a bit smarter and stay out of the out of the way of those uh, big lads. So. I think my tackle technique was okay. I, I don't remember having any concussions, so ho- hopefully I had a reasonably good technique in that tackle. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't get too many applauds from the coaches that, uh, throughout my career, so I don't know if it was good or not. Were you also a, a uh, hot Milo at 3 o'clock in the morning watching overseas test matches with your dad? 
family? Or yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely remember those days. Um, getting up, you know, in the middle, of, didn't want to get out of bed, but once you did get up, and you, you know, like you say, had the blanket on, had the hot chocolate, able to watch the All Blacks uh, versus South Africa and other games. Uh, you know, those are those are memories that'll last with me, and it's something that. You know, we pass on to our children. So my wife and I will get up and, and watch games and get the kids up so they, they experience the same thing that we experience. So it's part of that rugby tradition, I guess, or that sport tradition, passing that on. Yeah, absolutely. So I think everyone um, has those kind of, or everyone I talk to in New Zealand has those, uh, pretty much has those, those kind of memories. The So how far did you, did you play sort of uh, up, up to first 15 or, or how, how far did rugby take you from a playing point of view? Yeah, my, my main sports were basketball and tennis, but I did play rugby right through um, high school and, and was in the first 15 at St. John's College in Hamilton uh, and, and was in the same team as a pretty decent flanker of the time. Marty Holler was at St. John's at the time. So um, I love playing, loved playing footy. And unfortunately, we had a pretty staunch basketball program at St. John's College and, and wasn't allowed to play basketball and, and uh, rugby, but I, I was able to sneak out from time to time, didn't even own a pair of uh, rugby boots at that stage, but uh, luckily enough, the coach was able to help me with a pair of boots so I could sneak on and play. Um, but I still remember one day playing on a Saturday, and uh, the basketball coach, who was, a, who was the deputy principal at the time, uh, found out that I was there, so he came along to the sideline and uh, quite quite firmly told me to get off the field and, and uh, you know, don't go back. So. It was, uh, I guess, the nature of sport where everyone's sort of interested in making sure they protect their own sport. But oh, yeah, I love playing rugby at uh, at high school and, and still remember a, a lot of those experiences um, uh, to this day. That's for, uh, that's for, that's a, the, the the approach has changed, doesn't it, a lot now? Because obviously we, we, they don't have full contact that uh, so young. There's a lot of a lot of big push to have, um, especially children, uh, especially sort of young adults, all, all through to your, your late teens being multi-sport athletes to have more route because it helps you with injury prevention later on. Uh, the Those all things you're now pushing in, in Bay of Plenty uh, as, as part of the as a sort of a change approach? Yeah, I think so. And, and again, if I, if I liken it back to my experience, while it, while, while it wasn't uh, so topical at the time, you know, I was lucky enough to play a whole range of sports. You know, Trump gave, you know, gave everything a go, played softball, played tennis, played basketball, played rugby. Um, and, and I think that, though, one, the range of sports are fantastic for your development, uh, you know, from your own physical development, but also mental development. But it's also just, um, I think, in terms of the networks that you generate and the friendships outside just one core group of friends, you know, I think that's a really valuable outcome of participating in a range of sports as well. It teaches so many life skills, having to adapt to a whole range of different people. Um, so, no, I'm, I'm an absolute subscriber for that. I, I think it's really important that our, our young people um, you know, test the whole range of different things because they're going to learn something different uh, from everything that they try. Um, so that early specialisation, uh, you know, I think it's a proven, you know, fact now that that, that doesn't work on the scale, um, you know, that, that some people have suggested historically it did. So I think for us, uh, encouraging uh, our young people to be really active uh, is the right thing to do. And have you that followed North uh, North Harbour's lead in uh, stop in sort of um, I forgot which age rate, age group it is now that they've stopped the uh, roller mills roller mills that's it the yeah 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 so it's so a we're part of the Northern Regions group that was um, you know reviewing the benefits and, and and I guess the cons of of having those age groups and, and that early sort of um, connection to a rep program and look you know there there is some some value in those programs but I think. We need to replace them possibly with a better program around education and development 
of our players and, and be able to attract a wider audience uh, rather than narrowing that funnel too early. And, and I think also we need to do a better job of, of working with our parents and educating them around what's really important at that age. Um, you know, we don't, we don't want to take away the competitive nature of, uh, of our young people. I, I think that's hugely important. We want to retain that. But we also need to foster it in a way that more young people get exposed to that competitive opportunity um, versus, like I say, narrowing it too early. And a range of, of, you know, amazing young people don't get the opportunities that others get. So it's a balanced approach, I think, you know, and so I'm, I'm a very competitive person myself and value can, you know, um, uh, value that as part of, you know, if I, if I think about my situation when we're employing people, we want people to be competitive. When you're going for a job, it's a competitive process. You know, people don't just give you jobs. You actually have to work hard, you have to prepare, um, and you have to earn that job. And so we want our young people to, to learn those life skills through sport as well, but we want more of our young people to experience that opportunity. Cool. And the you, you said you, you you played a bit of first 15, but that wasn't your main thing. So I'm assuming you didn't go into professional rugby and you you, you took another path into uh, in, in, into were you uh, in sports administration right from the start or or what what, what did you do after out of school? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So my path was was basketball and tennis. So I went over to America uh, towards the end of high school and spent time over in America playing, um, well, going to school, but uh, but playing sport over there, uh, and then came back to New Zealand and played uh, National League basketball at the time back in New Zealand for North Harbour. Uh, but then uh, got a few injuries when I was quite young, so sort of uh, nineteen twenty. My body had sort of fallen to bits on me, um, unfortunately, and so that pushed me into coaching and into uh, sports administration. So I've had a pretty varied degree in sport in terms of I've been a professional tennis coach at, uh, at Waikato Tennis and at Tatarangi Tennis Club up in, up in Auckland on the west side of Auckland. Uh, been a sports uh, coordinator at, at uh, Pakaranga College and then on to director of sport at Takapuna Grammar and also back at my old school, St. John's College as well. So I've sort of come right through. So sport's been a big part of my life as, as a young person when I was a participant and now obviously um, having the opportunity to be able to uh, give back through my roles and actually encourage others to, to uh, take full advantage of the value of sport. It's uh, sort of come full circle. Have you, uh, do, do you, do you keep in, in touch with the your, your basketball roots? I mean, have you seen their, their latest uh, suggestion of a five week uh, season? Yeah, I, I, for my sins, I, I'm back coaching my daughters in basketball. They they play basketball, they love it, and uh, so yeah, I'm a volunteer coach. Uh, so I do stay uh, connected somewhat to the sport, and um, yeah, I, I think all of those models around trying to get return to play, it's it's um, there's just so much I guess pressure on to get some content out there, isn't it, for the broadcasters and for the clubs? You know, there's there's, there's so much revenue associated, obviously, with that, and we and we're, we're experiencing that in rugby in terms of trying to get Super Rugby and the Mighty Team Cup uh, back up and running uh, so we can, you know, start generating some revenue again to invest in the game. So, yeah, it'll be interesting, you know. Um, basketball, you know, I think is certainly a popular sport, not only in New Zealand worldwide. There's there's lots going on, and, and I think they're doing some some fantastic things. Um, and I just wish them good luck if they can get that up off the ground. Uh, it's it's uh, going to be a good outcome for them. Yeah, five weeks of uh, games every single day will be wow. That, that's you say creating content. That's a lot of content. Um, on on that revenue side of things, we uh, yesterday the Crusaders came out and uh, mentioned that they have that they're having to make some people redundant. How is uh, Bay of Plenty coping with the on on the revenue side of things? 
Yeah, we're, we're no different than anyone else. We're certainly uh, feeling the effects of COVID-19. It, it's, it's having a significant impact on our revenue. And, um, you know, at this point in time, we're probably predicting somewhere around a 40 to 45 percent drop in income for the year, which is obviously significant. Um, and obviously very limited opportunities to, to replace that lost income. So like the rest of uh, rugby and the sports industry and the wider you know, industries, um, we're, we're having to reduce costs uh, where, where appropriate and, and make sure that we're um, being really fiscally responsible uh, right throughout to the end of the year and try and position ourselves as best as possible moving into 2021 as well. So you've done, done doing the four-day weeks like uh, I think both uh, Tasman and Northland both mentioned they were doing? Um, yeah, yeah. So, so we've, uh, you know, we've got a fantastic staff who are obviously, like most sports organisations, are hugely motivated about what they do, um, and they understand the pressure that the organisation that Bapsley is under, and 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 they're prepared to roll up their sleeves and contribute to, you know, trying to make sure that we're viable moving forward. So, yeah, very similar to um, a number of the provincial unions in, in terms of the uh, the structural changes that we're having to make. Cool. The um, well, it's not cool, not, not cool, but I mean, yeah, it, yeah, understandable that the that, that's sort that's all happening. Um, when you look at your your job, um, there's there's multiple parts to it. You've got the youth, the grassroots, the clubs. You've got the professional side. When you're um, have your sort of end of year review, what? How do you? How how are you sort of as as a CEO? How are you judged in the sort of balance between those? What's a yeah, are you just purely on where you finish in minus ten, or what is what, what? What? How are you kind of judged? No, that's that's a that's a very good question. Um, uh, yeah, so look, it's it's a it's a balanced approach to to what we're trying to achieve. Obviously, for us, um, we have a strategic plan in place uh, that, that, and currently we're in the, the third year of our current strategic plan. And, and so a lot of the measures in terms of um, how we perform, go, you know, come at, uh, obviously directly out of that plan. So, yes, we want to perform well at, at our, um, you know, shop window teams uh, being the steamers and, and the volcanics and the Farah Palmer Cup. Uh, we measure ourselves around our um, ability to develop and grow people and move them forward to national programs or super rugby uh, opportunities, etc. So that comes into the equation when we're looking at our performance and my performance. Uh, you know, we, we're very proud of the fact that we've grown our game at the community level year on year for the sort of last sort of seven or eight years uh, to becoming, you, you know, the, um, the third biggest union in New Zealand. And so that's that's another really important measure for us in, in terms of participation. Are we engaged in our community? So we have some uh, measures in place around that as well. So, so sorry, when, when you mean by third biggest, do you mean as in number of players or how how, how are you measuring the size? Yeah, yeah, based on based on a number of players' participation rates. Um, so obviously we've got Auckland and Canterbury are the top two, and, and now Bay Plenty's in, in third in terms of the number of players uh, playing playing rugby right through from from the Lilies all the way through to adults. So um, so that's an important measure for us because that's a big part of who we are as an organisation. You know, we're we've, um, we're a community organisation that's that's focused on providing opportunities. So so that, that that's uh, heavily weighted in terms of you know our performance uh, and my performance. And I think um, you know, and it's a it's a difficult thing to measure, but it's it's also around the, I guess the how the organisation, um, the value, the culture of the organisation, and making sure that it's operating with good people. Are we attracting good people? Are we retaining good people? 
And so that's something we look at as well in, in terms of, of the, the qu- uh, quality of people that are involved in our organisation because ultimately the better people that you have working for you, then, then you know, the better outcomes you're going to achieve. So that's been a big focus for us as well. Okay. And when you say you're three years into your strategic plan, how, how long was that strategic plan for? Yeah, it was, it was our th- three-year strategic plan. Um, so it's a really interesting process I always feel around because our, our society is changing and sport's changing so quickly, the ability to plan out too far ahead, you know, is really difficult. Um, so we've always taken the approach that, that it's a sort of a maximum three-year period that we want to operate within um, and equally be really flexible and fluid in terms of changing our direction. If we feel like something's come along, it's a really good opportunity for us or we're going down the wrong track and when we just can't see the results um, that we wanted to see. So, and a good example of that is the growth of the, of the female game uh, in rugby, you know, over the last sort of, you know, especially 18 months to, you know, to 12 months, it's been significant growth, um, you know, and so we've been really focused on that and, and we've seen some fantastic outcomes. So I think that's where you just got to be really, really uh, fluid and, and really flexible. And um, I just had a chat with your, uh, the, the, the head of women's performance on, on your side of it, uh, things were, uh, well, before the whole COVID thing happened. Mm. Um, and there was an expectation of perhaps having a new tournament in place ahead of the Rugby World Cup next year, maybe. Uh, is, is, do, you, do you still see that happening or do you, st- or do you think the Farrah Palmer Cup will just ch- change its kind of dates? Uh, yeah, again, it's it's really difficult to know uh, until we work our way through the, the different levels. But, you know, we're certainly hopeful that at some point this year there's a Farah Palmer Cup. Uh, when and what that looks like, you know, I think that, that detail still is going to need to be worked through. Uh, but from a Bay Plenty point of view, we're, we're incredibly motivated about ensuring there's an opportunity for our top female athletes to, to represent the region. Um, and, and so that's our priority for for this year. Um, and so so we'll continue to talk with New Zealand Rugby around the possibility of that happening. Uh, and then in terms of the, the potential new competition next year, you know, um, again, hopefully that's still a, an opportunity for our female players to to um, participate in because it'll be a great lead up to the Rugby World Cup, and and, and we wouldn't want to see some of those opportunities falling away uh, because of COVID-19. But you can appreciate that with the, the financial restrictions that we're all under, it's going to be a lot more difficult. But ho- hopefully we can still provide all those opportunities for our female players. The And on the men's side, from a uh, from a high-performance point of view, the, obviously you, you had just one round of w- working with the uh, the China Lions. Um, the again, that, but that was that was a multi-year deal, wasn't it? So that you, you are the the intention is to, is to is to keep that going over the next few years. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, even though, like you said, we only got one round in, and it was a win over Fiji and Fiji, which doesn't often happen. We were, you know, so we were we we're at a pretty good place at that point, and then to to have it sort of ripped away with, uh, from us was was really disappointing and tough on the players because. You know, they, they worked really hard to get to that point and, and it been a real challenge to, to get that team off the ground. Um, but we saw some really promising signs. So, yeah, look, the intention is um, to continue that partnership with China Rugby. And, and obviously one element is, is the rapid rugby opportunity. There's a, a whole range of other things that we're working on with China Rugby that we think will benefit the development of the game in China. But ultimately also, from our point of view, provide opportunities for, for Bay of Plenty Rugby. Uh, so that, that conversation is very much alive and, and uh, we're continuing to talk all the time. Um, but yeah, and then around Rapid Rugby, we, we saw some real uh, benefits, even that short space in terms of providing opportunities for our players. 
for our coaches being part of a, a you know a, a global competition in terms of cross-border competition um, all those things were really positive from our point of view time will tell obviously what happens next uh, you know you just don't know because we just don't know how long about uh, the borders will be closed um, but you know from our point of view we have every intention of continuing to, to participate in that level of rugby cool and the um yeah it's there's the easier yeah there's there's a lot of question marks for next season because obviously the the rapid rugby happens in that the the same window as super rugby and well people are saying that we might not you know, people are already already suggesting that the olympics might be under threat which is in sort of middle of next year mm. because of a lack of vaccine so yeah a lot of a lot of questions still to be answered that we can't really say I guess at the moment. No, no and I think and that just goes back to being really flexible and fluid and, and well positioned to deal with what, what that you know, whatever eventuates and um, you know, and when when you're struggling to you know, to survive it's difficult to look that far forward. So I guess Bar Pliny's in a, in, a, in a position where, while it's incredibly tough at the moment, you know we've worked hard to get a, a really good foundation, so we can hopefully ride ride through this situation and be prepared for any of those um, situations as they throw them up next year. Um, obviously, so you had those guys under a, a sort of professional regime. Uh, is are, are they still being? Are you still keeping them in a kind of uh, or, or training at home, or how, how are yep. they being being handled now that they're all in lockdown? Yep, no, good question. So, yeah, so our, our coaches and our strength and conditioning team saying and, uh, you know, regular contact with those players. Um, obviously, for the China Lions, there was a mix of provincial union players involved. So there was players from Southland, Waikato, North Harbour. Um, so for us, um, you know, we're still offering support for those guys, but recognise, you know, they've got their own provincial union uh, support staff as well. So we just, um, you know, are providing support if, if they require it. And, and if not, then there's no issues either. And then for our local guys, yeah, absolutely. Uh, programs in place, uh, regular, you know, communication from our coaches, checking on their well-being too. You know, like I, I think um, it's really important for our for our players to know that they are supported during this period because it's really, you know, for an athlete, it's it's incredibly, you know, it's tough on anyone uh, to be in isolation or to be in lockdown when you can't do the things that you, you're used to doing. But I think for an athlete, it's a really challenging scenario where you can't get out there and train and you're used to, you know, getting out there and, and competing and, and to have that taken away is, is really a difficult situation. So more than anything, I think it's really important that our coaches and our staff are, are making sure our, the well-being of our players is at the forefront. So have you been sort of, have they been zooming around, dropping off bits of exercise kit with different houses just, be, just before lockdown and, and, uh, or, or, or having challenges to see who can have the most um, bizarre weightlifting kit? A bit of everything, really. So, again, we've got some fantastic strength and conditioning coaches who, you know, uh, did a really good job of ensuring uh, pre-lockdown, like you said, that the players had access to as much as they could. Um, They're then getting creative and innovative in terms of challenges and different ways of approaching the situation and and how you can, you know, can can make it fun and enjoyable in in a pretty stressful situation. So, yeah, getting very creative and which is not a bad thing sometimes, you know, like it's it's made our it made our people think outside the the box and think of different ways to do things. And and so hopefully, even though it's been an incredibly tough period, hopefully we take some really positive learnings out of this and 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 gain some. gain some insights in terms of how we can use things moving forward. Obviously, the, the club game would have been underway, well, the club season would have been underway by now, uh, and that's that's getting delayed. And, and I guess the, well, I'll ask you, what's the plan? Is the plan to 
to, 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 to shift that into later in the season, or is the plan to, to have to miss a, miss a year for the clubs? For the clubs? Um, I think ultimately that'll be decided by our clubs. You know, like we, we need to, we, we want club rugby to operate this year. But this again, it's going to need to be something that the clubs are in a position um, to to play rugby, uh, and there's a whole number of factors, that, uh, a whole range of factors that go into that in terms of are our fields going to be available, are our players in a position to play if we have to have a window that's slightly later, what impacts in terms of if it's a rural club, you know, there could be farming or different things that that are going to impact on the availability of players. So, and then you got the summer sports coming into you know the equation as well. So. Um, ultimately, you know, the conversations we have with our clubs to date is that, is, uh, that they're really motivated about having an opportunity to get back out on the paddock and we'd support them 100%. Um, again, when, we don't know. And how we do it, it may again need to be creative and modified to ensure that we're, you know, operating within the guidelines of, of return to play protocol. So it's, um, you know, a whole bunch of, as you can imagine, models, scenarios, start dates, finish dates, all sorts of stuff that is going on behind the scenes um, that we just need to be ready and prepared to get back out on, on the field and make sure we've ticked all the boxes from a Ministry of Health point of view to ensure that when we do, uh, we're doing everything we can to um, ensure that we're following the right processes. So obviously the Ministry of Health, uh, providing inputs, you're talking with New Zealand Rugby, you're talking with the clubs, uh, you're also talking with, is, is, and I know there's a sport by Cato, is there a sport by Plenty or is it? Or is it uh, yeah, Sport by Plenty, yep. yeah. so we have a, a regional sports trust, so yeah, good engagement there, uh, so we have regular communication with all the sporting codes, all the, all the regional sports, again, just sharing information, talking through issues, um, trying to figure out how we can cooperate to, to make sure that we're um, supporting the whole sporting community versus you know just looking at our own situation. Uh, so again, I think that's been a positive out of out of a, a tough situation is the ongoing engagement across sport um, and, and ensuring that you know we are working together for the best outcome for all of our participants rather than just working in our own silo. Right, and you say you obviously strength and condition guys are doing stuff for the. Um, for people in your high performance program, have they have they also done a, a running one for all the all the club players that they can dial into, or or is it just are you just focusing on on the on the top top crowd? No, I, I definitely know our guys are looking at ways that they can support our clubs and provide uh, detail to to our community players, um, and also our our coach education programs are still ongoing. You know, we're doing some great work in terms of forums, online forums. Same with our referees. So, so we're possible. Um, while it's not business as usual, it's um, it's definitely continuing to stay engaged and connected and and preparing as much as we can uh, for that situation when when we can actually get back out on that field. So, as I say, a lot a lot of good work being done by the staff and in a pretty difficult uh, time for them to figure out how do we stay you know in a business that's all about people and about engagement and connection. Uh, to be so disconnected from people is difficult, but I think they're, they're being pretty innovative in the way they're trying to deal with it. And the what about on, on the um, well? One of the things is that obviously the players and, and people have got time on their hands. So on the personal development side and the sort of the post rugby career, I know a few players have been have mentioned how they're trying to put a lot of t- extra time into there. So a busy yep. time for your development officers. Yeah, 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 yeah. So our professional development manager Ati is is a great man, and and uh, he's certainly you know he's working probably more than he's ever worked in terms of ensuring that our guys and, and girls um, are maximising the opportunity that they have here in terms of the downtime from uh, being out on the on the field. 
Um, and it, and it, like everyone's got different um, aspirations, so it's 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 working with each individual and figuring out where they're at with their life, what's their what's their plan, what do they need to do, and what what can they achieve over the period of time where where they've got this um, downtime, I guess, in in terms of uh, their rugby career. So, yeah, I, I'm sure he's doing fantastic work uh, with our players in that space as well. So, what's been your, your, your the favourite challenge you've seen so far? I mean, I've, I've seen the various cooking ones. Um, from different players and stuff that you've been putting out as uh, as, as Facebook stories, um, have you? What, what's been your favourite challenge you've seen? Well, I did see a challenge by a female high performance group where, where they had were knocking bottles over with passes with the rugby ball, etc. Some of them I suspect were, were about take number four hundred and thirty-seven <laughs> before they actually knocked the bottle over. But um, I found that really cool because it was it was an engaging um, video across. A whole range of backgrounds, you know, right throughout the bay, you know. So there was um, all sorts of different destinations in the Eastern Bay, Central Bay, and Western Bay where people are living in, in their own little bubble. Uh, but for all of our female um, athletes to be able to connect like that, I, I found that one pretty entertaining. And actually, probably shoot outside and give it a go myself and see if I can knock the bottle over. So oh, okay, you're just going to keep not, not going to look at some. I won't be. I won't be taking us. any video of it though. Yeah, video. Oh, what? That's not. It's not. It's certainly not for public display. So, because I mean, have you seen some of Carlos Spencer's ones he's been doing? Um, yeah, yeah, and, and and I think the girls probably picked up on some of some of that and, and utilised that. But it was, um, yeah. So I thought it was just real, it was natural, uh, and showed them in their so in their own bubble. But a great way to show that they're still connected and, and still engaged with the group. Cool. Yeah, but I don't possess anywhere near those level of skills. I, I was a loose forward, Paul, so I wasn't allowed to kick, pass, or do anything really. You're a basketball player. You can shoot, definitely. This this is a we, didn't, didn't really come in handy in the rugby field. We can get 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 you a rugby ball, and you can be shooting hoops out the back with the with your I daughters. Could, I could it. try that. <laughs> Thanks for that idea, Paul. <laughs> oh dear me! And uh, so also, I, get, I can see you're, you're doing it from home, not from the office as well. How's the How's the family bubble been okay? Have you found, found it kind of interesting? People giving you time to work from home, or is it? Uh, have you got any pet dogs that have got d- dived into Zoom calls and things like that? Or how? how how's, uh, no, how's no, I've been pretty home? lucky. No dogs in the house, which is good. And 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 the kids have, have adjusted really well, to be honest. You know, sometimes you got to sort of sneak over the shoulder and you know quieten down a little bit while, while we're on Zoom calls, but. Um, yeah, we sort of got into a routine. I'm, I'm sure most environments are the same. That you know, they get into routines, and and once they understand it, then they just get on with it. So you now, generally, we've coped pretty well. But we're certainly looking forward to um, getting through level four and level three, uh, and getting a bit, bit bit more normality back to life. They're, they're missing their sport. If if anything, all the kids are really really missing their sport. Um, not missing school as much, but. Um, but but yeah, so I think you know getting back to that point where they can you know, re-engage with their friends, you know, and, and get back into sport will be a, a pretty important moment for them. Obviously, basketball being a team sport won't be allowed under under level three. But I um, obviously you, you guys are in Tauranga, um, which uh, obviously is uh, a surfing or, or, or yeah, near, near the sea, so surfing territory. So will you be uh, level three allows surfing? So will you be jumping on the on, on a board? Or is that not your? Uh, well, not your I have tried to, to teach myself to surf, uh, and, I'm, and I'm, I can't say I'm great at that. Paul, uh, again, the kids are much yep. better than I am already. So, uh, yeah, no, I know a number of our players that were pretty excited when they heard that surfing was allowed under level three. So I'm, I'm sure we'll see plenty of our boys out there having a surf, and uh, and I think again, you know, it's it's great that we can get a, a slice of normality back 
Um, but hopefully we all continue to follow the rules so we don't ever have to go back to uh, level four again. So, uh, yeah, challenge suggestion is uh, two people obviously from the same bubble um, coming on surfboards, passing rubber ball backwards and forward. That's the uh, that's my that's that's my suggested challenge. It's a bit hard. It's a bit hard to do that over in Hamilton, isn't it? But maybe you could do oh, it out here. Rag- I can't. Yes, Raglan or something like that could be a Raglan <laughs> challenge. The um, out near Tarongi, you guys can. Um, thank you very much. It has been a uh, been an absolute joy um, talking to you uh, and hear, hearing the challenges that have been going on down in Bay of Plenty. Um, clearly, it looks like yeah, you got your, your club rugby. Uh, you're expecting obviously minor ten to, to to hopefully happen this year as well. Um, the Actually, I guess you're, you're you like um, actually I need to, just like uh, like Tasman. You're one of the two um, provinces that have two locations uh, in Tarong yep. and Rotorua. How do you balance that uh, by having two two venues? Yeah, again, it's it's a, a good question, and, and it's it's always been a bit of a challenge in terms of um, you know rugby in the bay has changed over the hundred odd years we've been around. You know, so initially. You know, the Eastern Bay of Plenty, Whakatane, was, was, you know, the home of rugby in the Bay of Plenty, and then it sort of moved to Rotorua, and Rotorua was a, was a really stronghold of rugby. And then in, in our later years, um, obviously with the growth of, of Taronga as a city, um, you know, it's it's become more of a, a destination here as well. So so it is a challenge when we've got, you know, three, I guess, three distinct areas that make up the Bay of Plenty. Uh, but like you say, we also have two um, two homes where we play Team Cup games. I guess to answer your question, our philosophy is we, we, wherever possible we um, look at all of our activity and ensure that we're trying to uh, connect and engage with our rugby community right throughout the bay. Um, so we don't look in isolation at Team Cup and, and say, well, we're going to play two games here, three games there, or whatever the scenario may be. We look at the Volcanics, we look at the Steamers, we have a fanta- we've had a fantastic under-19 programme. Um, you know, in all of our other rep programs, but then also going through to our community rugby, we look at some fantastic profile events that we have there, uh, where we've you know have fantastic secondary schools finals days. So we, we look at all of our content, I guess, and try and figure out a, a model where we can share that around the region, so all of our rugby participants get an opportunity to be a part of it. Um, and again, there's, there's no perfect model because obviously down in Fakatana we don't have a venue that can, can host Mighty 10 Cup games as it stands under the criteria. Um, so we have to get pretty creative, but we do our best to make sure we can get rugby out to the regions and out to everyone where possible. Um, and that was one of the advantages of, of having uh, rapid rugby and the potential to play a couple of games in, in Bay of Plenty. We're going to play a couple more games in Rotorua, so we ensured that there was more rugby content uh, being delivered there as well. Um, so, so while it's a bit of a challenge logistically, we, we actually see it as a bit of an advantage, um, you know, in terms of having five home games in one venue. Uh, sometimes that overpopulates, you know, the marketplace, and, and especially when there's a range of other events, not just rugby, happening in one destination. So, so having the ability to have two different venues, uh, while while on some occasions it's logistically challenging, we think it's, it's actually an advantage for us. Now, obviously, the move up to the Premiership, there was a suggestion you'd be getting more night games. Without having floodlights in Tauranga, was that going to be an issue, or 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 were was Sky nice with the with your scheduling to give you day give you enough for day games? Oh, we've got a good balance actually. You know, so um, you know we've we've been on record and, and preferred day games because it suits you know the market that we're looking. You know, we we love the family market. We love the two thirty five games. You know, sun on your back, whether it's Lotorua or Tauranga. We we really enjoy those afternoon games, and we think it fits our community. <clears throat> so, so we we prefer as many afternoon games as possible. But 
at the end of the day, you know, we, you know, we know there's 14 teams in the competition, and we all have um, expectations around when they want to play as well. And it's, so it's no easy task coming up with a perfect model. And and so we're we're really comfortable that we, you know we, we get listened to, and New Zealand do their best, and Sky do their best to accommodate all the requests, and ultimately we just want to win games. Is there any uh, or, um, thoughts of getting a bigger stadium built in, in Tauranga? Are the are the council looking at that, or are you working with them to try and increase or, or make a more permanent venue? Yeah, look, there's some really good conversations happening between some of the key players in, in Tauranga and in the wider Western Bay around infrastructure. You know, and so an outdoor venue is something that we feel like we are lacking in a city of the size of Tauranga. Um, but there's a number of other infrastructure projects that would need to go alongside any investment in a venue. And, and, and I think, you know, if you're looking at something like an outdoor events venue that can cater for, uh, for, for sporting events, but also music concerts, cultural events, um, you, need, you need to make sure that it's not trying to go down the old model of ratepayer pays. I think those days are well and truly gone, and, and we recognise that. So you have to be pretty innovative in your model of how you can work with your you know, local authority and your ratepayers to come up with a model that, that works for the community because there's so many other um, projects that, that are just as important, if not more important, uh, for, for, our, you know, for our city. So we recognise that as well, but you know we, we're we're pretty confident that, that we're getting a, a good voice, we're getting a good hearing, um, we've got a, a wide range of stakeholders who are really motivated about the potential to have the right venue to suit what Taranga needs. Um, so hopefully, um, you know, hopefully we can get that over the line at some point and, and provide a good asset for this community. And the other thing that's based down in in, in your region is the New Zealand Sevens program. Um, as, as well, we've seen uh, Joe come over and play at the minor ten cup level. How much how much crossover is it between you guys and the and the sevens program? Yeah, it, it's it's been great actually. Not just not just with the sevens program, but with the University of Waikato and, and the high performance training centre as well. So some fantastic uh, ability to collaborate with them as well around research projects and, and using our players, I guess, as guinea pigs for their projects, but us getting the, the benefits out of out of that data as well. Um, and, and yeah, a really good relationship with New Zealand Sevens, uh, especially around the staff. You know, uh, you know, it's great to be able to bounce ideas, even though it's a I guess it's sevens, fifteens. Um, it's still great to be able to have coaches who can talk to coaches from a different environment, share ideas, you know, just bat things around. Same with our uh, strength and conditioning resource. You know, the New Zealand Sevens program obviously got some of the best coaches and, and support staff in the world. Um, so, be, so to be able to have those in the same building and us and just have a coffee or have a chat around different things has been hugely valuable, I, I believe. Um, and then, yeah, if we get the opportunity to to have players um, want to play for the for our power plenty team it's it, it's becoming more and more difficult obviously in terms of players who are playing sevens and fifteens given the growth of the sevens program um, but a guy like Joe who you know he's from Makatu he's a local boy uh, he, he just loves playing the Team Cup uh, for Bayer Plenty and, and I know every opportunity he gets he's always in my ear about asking for that contract so um, <laughs> So, so you know, when when the you know when that's appropriate and we can you know get some of our local boys who are in that environment and the sevens playing minor team cup, I, I think it's great. Cool, um, great. Yep, thank you very much. Uh, is there anything I've missed or any other um, rugby kind of things going on in the bay that uh, that I perhaps should should know about or which all the fan people should know about? No, no, I think you, you've done pretty well there. You got sort of fifty minutes of of content there. That's. It's worth gold, isn't it? <laughs> Got my rugby career in about 
12 seconds. <laughs> oh, dear, we should have. Well, yes. Well, w- w- one of the things that we're looking at thinking of doing on the program is to ask people what was their most memorable game that they played in and then go back and sort of relive it with them. So do, do you have a most memorable game we could go back and relive, you think? Uh, oh, gosh, I don't, I don't know if I, I was that good to remember. Um, I do remember in, in Hamilton, I'm, I'm sure you can sort of attest to this, back in the day, you know, St. John's College playing church college, you know, so the Catholics playing against the Mormons. Um, right. so, so I certainly certainly remember some pretty good battles going out to Temple View out in, out in church college and, and as a you know, as a small, I think we were about 350 uh, boys at that time at St. John's, you know, pretty much just little little uh, you know little fellows going up against some some pretty big strong boys and they always felt like the church college guys were about 23 24 years old kids on the sideline you know so little two year old running around and we sort of scratching your head down how does that work out we can't do the math if you're only 18 and uh, but no there's probably some of those you know memories of um, of that and then you know, I certainly remember playing first 15 had a trickler trophy challenge uh, versus Hamilton boys when I was at St John's um, which is a pretty prestigious trophy for secondary schools, obviously, in, in, the, in the Waikato. Uh, so I remember going up against um, Hamilton boys and, and remember getting absolutely smashed, tried to pull off a huge tackle, and I just got absolutely set on my backside. So I still remember that this, that, that to my day. But, um, yeah, so, so no, no real, you know, cl- glory highlights, but just plenty of fond memories of, of getting out there playing, playing rugby and playing with your mates. Brilliant. Thank you very much for your time. It has been an absolute absolute pleasure. Um, Everybody, don't forget to like the page or subscribe to the podcast uh, and for for more of these uh, long talks. If you enjoyed this one, don't forget to go back and listen to the one with um, Karen Bell from the Northland and also, and I'm going to go blank with the Tasman. um, Tony Lewis. Tony Lewis, thank you. Tony Lewis from Tasman as well. Uh, they They were both very good listeners as well. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.